So if I don't want that app on my phone, I I can delete it, but then I'm I'm expected to phone the government daily and report on my status. Absolutely not. If you did not know, I'm talking with Greg Hill. He's done three tours. He's a vet. He's a how do we say this? You're on leave right now uh, from commercial airlines. Uh, he's a pilot, a commercial airline pilot. Hopefully going back to work. I'm not sure we'll talk about I'm, I'm that. I'm in the DMZ, right? <laughs> and um, thank you for your service again. Every opportunity I get, I want to make sure that I pass that forward. Um, he's also a previous guest on the podcast. And let's talk about free to fly. Uh, because that has plenty to do with mandates. If anything, maybe I should have kind of hit that right off the top. Maybe that'll happen with the the wonders of editing. Uh, But it's the thing that brought me to you on top of the meme that was circulating at the time. And you are one of two individuals that are running this organization, uh, Free to Fly, and it's basically fighting for every Canadian's right to be in the sky and fly and travel without restriction. Yeah, well, I mean, it's morphed really into, I I usually say we're dedicated to the freedoms of every Canadian coast to coast. They're God-given freedoms. It's not strictly mobility rights. That's certainly near and dear to our heart. But what we've seen happen over the past two years is is absolutely unacceptable. We've got to ensure that it never, ever happens again. And so that's really what we're what we're dedicated to as as we walk forward into a new season here, trying to figure out whether we'll actually end up back at work or not. And we're right in the thick of it. You know, today I've got message after message from our aviation professionals. Some have heard, some have not, some have been told they're not being invited back. So we've we've got some support uh, in the way of, of just getting some of their questions answered by lawyers and otherwise. That's that's some of what we're dealing with. And then of course passengers are emailing as well. Some of them are frustrated saying, well, this isn't really pure equality anymore. We're still segregating. If if you leave the country and come back as a, as an unvaccinated person, you still expected to quarantine and otherwise. So that's where we're positioned. A lot of it's just responding to people. It's relationship building, which which we feel is important, and providing people answers if we can get them, and, and if not, a community of, of support as well. Mm-hmm. And do you have any word on the quarantine, if that's something that's supposed to stick or something that they might drop? Well, all we've heard is, is at least for passengers, that it's still required. And that was, was one thing that could, the government proudly stood by at their presser uh, last week. Now, for a flight crew, I, I think it's going to be different. That and, and that was the way it was from the get-go. I mean, some of these these aviation professionals who were on the leading edge of hauling PPE back from China uh, with without any concern, just arbitrarily as of the 31st of October, were uh, suddenly unable to set foot on company property because they hadn't uh, undergone a medical procedure. Uh, but I expect going forward from what we're hearing, and this is anecdotal, I haven't seen it in writing, but but and then that's been the case throughout. The flight crew back then weren't subject to this quarantine either because we needed to keep uh, keep things moving. You know, guys exercised caution during their layovers and otherwise that was kind of how the uh, it was couched, but that, that that's what I expect going forward. But but right now it's even some of the, the, the larger airlines, it's still unknown yet whether some of these employees are going to be back to work or not. And, and, and for how long, who knows? It's some some have come out uh, outright and said this temporary suspension you know you'll be temporarily invited back uh, and, and where does that leave guys that's a, a whole nother conversation do you think that there's a possibility that they will have less restrictions on travelers and maybe 
still impose restrictions on the pilots and the flight crew, flight staff, et cetera? Uh, no. I mean, if I understand your question. Uh, yeah. Do you think they'd say like, listen, I'm just traveling on a plane, you know, and I'm, and right. I'm not vaccinated. That's okay. But we still don't want our workers to not be. Well, that would be particularly crazy, but Hey, look at the world that we're living right. in. Right. It's, it's not what I foresee. Right. I'm thinking uh, about me first. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm hoping well, that happens. No. I mean, as it, as it stands right yeah. now, somebody else uh, had asked today uh, what to expect if they want to book a ticket. And I said, I haven't had a firsthand account. So, but, but as theoretically, as of yesterday, you could, you could buy a ticket, J-Man, and, and head out to, to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go to, uh, to Florida and come back, you'll have to, to quarantine uh, based on these asinine edicts. Mm-hmm. But, but right now, in theory, uh, you're free to come and go as you should be uh, back and forth across our country by something other than uh you know your vehicle Mm -hmm. what do you know about the arrive can thing i know so many people want to have absolutely nothing to do with arrive can and is it just a privacy uh, issue it's it's uh it's it's absolutely unacceptable in a in a a freaking democratic society in, in my opinion Okay. Uh, you know, I have, I've had reason on a personal level to investigate it at length. And I'll be honest, initially, I was kind of like, ah, like, what's the big deal? And then I started actually reading the, you know, what, what I found online. And absolutely not. I mean, if, if I don't want to have a device on my phone, and if you actually believe that the government's not tracking you, and this isn't tinfoil hat nonsense, they came out and said this previously. Oh, no, we're, we, you know, it's, it's not being used for that. It's de-identified, et cetera, et cetera. And then, oh, whoops, actually, we were tracking you. I mean, even even the Tim Hortons app, I don't know if you saw that in the news last week. Oh, yeah, it's, it's only active while, uh, while you're ordering your Boston cream donut. Then, oops, so actually, we were tracking you uh, whenever we wanted to. So if I don't want that app on my phone, I, I can delete it, but then I'm, I, I'm expected to phone the government daily and report on my status. Absolutely not. I mean, it's just so. So that's my rather visceral feelings about it, uh, because <laughs> you know I've had some personal up close experience with it uh, with right. family members over the last several days. Uh, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's it, what what you need to get back into your country is is read the front cover of your passport. That's what you need. Right. Uh, to return to your nation. Do you actually like Boston cream donuts? I do. It's do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I used to. I used to. Uh, I, I was quite a health freak for a while, and, and and I'm not so much as I get a little bit older. But and I don't. I'm not trying to plug Tim Hortons here by any means. But a Boston cream donut, nutritionally, is no different than eating uh, the average granola bar. I actually held out the. Uh, the nutritional information and I would recklessly order one every single time I was in the airport. So there you go. <laughs> now we know <laughs> Tim Horton's gift cards for, uh, for Greg Hill. Yeah, Thank right. you for your there service. You yeah. Um, so like, Oh, I'm having another one of these there, Greg. Oh, it's going to have something to do with Trudeau. God, I don't like that guy. You know what? There's very few people on the face of this planet that I just have this visceral response to. And he's just one of those individuals. Why do you think he's so hell bent on keeping these mandates in place? Why? Pardon me? Did you ask me this last time too? I may have. Not this podcast (laughs) though, right? Like the other podcast? I don't know. It's... uh... 
why is Sri hell bent on it? That, that's a question that I that I've been asked more than once, and I, I should really sit down and and you know, like Jordan Peterson says, thinking is a hard thing. I should sit in a chair for an hour and in dark silence and try to come up with an answer for it. But I I, I have spent a bit of time, and I, I outside try to be careful how I answer this. I was actually talking to the guy that I work for uh, here at the at the little manufacturing plant I'm sitting in, and we were talking about the same thing because he'd listened to a podcast, not not the Launchpad, but a, another podcast with with a yeah, I know with another uh, guy who who comes out of the mental health realm musing about similar things and it's just outside of, of that level of I don't know what the word narcissism is a word that is overused I think honestly in our society now every every time somebody has a personality issue with someone they, they throw the narcissism word out but but it's this just complete lack of self-awareness to to the point that it's self-destructive like the stuff that he's pulled over the last several weeks it got to the point where his own party was revolting on him because they want to save their own political skin. And he doesn't seem to even have enough awareness to say, wow, this, uh, this is actually going really, really poorly. And we look internationally ridiculous uh, until his own party revolts. So, you know, you can, you can go down the realm of, of the great reset and Klaus Schwab and globalism and otherwise. And, and I do absolutely feel that that's part of it as you start to see, the convenience and safety of digital ID be pushed and digital currency and otherwise, these are gra- of grave concern and I think should be in the top three things that are troubling to every Canadian. Troubling is, is not strong enough of a word. I think he is pushing that agenda, but why the mandates in particular outside this lack of self-awareness, pride and, and otherwise, it's, it's difficult to really understand why you would be so politically self-destructive. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just because he can be right now. Uh, there's nothing no. really stopping him. There's nothing getting in his way. Well, like, how can yeah. public opinion be so poor of a man that there is a book right now, like about yeah. the person that's running our country? And it's like the number one selling item right now on Amazon. I got it for Father's Day. I, I thought, <laughs> wow, why didn't I think of that? Right. I, I can't I could only draw a stick, man. I wouldn't have been able to do the whole thing. But uh yeah, somebody, it's, it's like there's the Michael Knowles has got a book, and I don't want to get political again, but I think it's called Reasons to Vote Democrat, and it's it's a completely blank book that he's made millions and millions of off uh, Amazon, right? <laughs> it's funny. it's similar. But but to back to your question, I, I, even then, I, I think he may find himself out on his rear end uh, within his own party. Mm. It's that bad. And so that's the part where I say I, I, I really – it's hard to it's hard to grasp what's what's driving him because I, I'm not sure he's going to survive politically uh, the next few months. Right, I have no idea how. I mean, just from my perspective, how the Liberal Party is going to recover from the damage that Trudeau has done in a very short period of time. Not that he has a massive legacy uh, to build from, other than legalizing marijuana, like. They'll, they'll always be loving Canadians' hearts for, for that. <laughs> That's a little bit of good. Uh, and then the damage that I think he's done in the past two years, ha- is ju- I don't think it's reversible. And when I think about where I would place future votes, it would be very difficult for me uh, after the trauma that I, that I have gone through in the last couple of years due to a, a liberal agenda to cast a vote for them again anytime soon i can't imagine what would would change that for me yeah well i don't know i said i said the same thing before the last election and here we are are pilots right now that are out of work like yourself are they kind of hoping that they're going to be able to get their job back that's something i asked you a while back like if 
they were to offer you your job back and mandates were lifted, is that something that you'd be interested in moving forward with? Me personally or, or the membership? Yeah, you personally, or what do you think in regards to just pilots in general? Do they really just want to get back to fly, or do you think that there's been so much damage done in between the relationship and the airlines that some people are just going to move forward with their lives? Well, it's a mixed bag. Uh, you know, I, I can't give you a, a statistical percentage, but I'm actually surprised by how many right now are saying, I'm not sure mm. I want to go back right now. Um, in part because of of what you're seeing in in the broader cross section of society that it's a polarized issue, and we have the the um, the issue of being locked in what amounts to a closet for sometimes eight to ten hours a day, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you're not getting along with each other, it can be it can be particularly complicated. Now you're not stupid and don't go looking for a fight, but but this vaccine mandate stuff comes up regardless of how far you try and run from it right even over even over your potatoes and steak at dinner you try to talk about something else and inevitably uh, it comes back to the big topic even when you're trying to avoid it so there's that issue and then there's just philosophical differences and and the the what would seem to be the spiteful nature of of how these companies have treated many of their employees Mm -hmm. that's something people feel on a very personal visceral level and they're having a hard time getting past it so you know there's there's a there's a real desire for a lot of guys to get back in the air uh and it's just the nature of not being able to pay the bills there's Mm -hmm. that part of it that's that's very very real as well right yeah, well, I can see that. Well, James Top has, was my last podcast guest, you know, marching across Canada for anyone out there that felt like they needed uh, or that felt pressured to have to make a medical decision uh, when it was something that they didn't want to do. Uh, yeah. What a horrible position for people to be in. Uh, for me, I've had the good fortune of not having to deal with it. Like, I'm going to say something really transparent. And, uh, you know, I have parents that are alive. And I don't know what this is going to sound like, but but I'm going to share it with you, Greg. Like I've told my my parents that, you know, like I I love them, obviously, but if they were to be in hospital and I wasn't allowed in hospital, that's not my doing. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I don't want to be there. The powers that be won't let me be there. And I, I don't think I've run through every potential scenario, Greg. And I, I just, I don't think, you know, at this point, especially after two years, that that's just going to change for me. You yeah. Know? And, well, and I hope I just hope that I don't end up in that position to where I, I have to make one of those choices because I'm in a compromising position. Well, hundred percent. And and I talk to people all the time that were put in that position, and and I don't judge them one way or the other. They say, absolutely not. I want I wanted no part of it. But but I, I had a a loved one that I needed to see or otherwise, and so they end up going down a road that they absolutely didn't want to and it it's it's a real wrestling with existential issues in terms of how you handle it i i just saw a post from um i'm gonna sound like a total moron here but a really well-known tennis player whose name i can't remember but the, the one who's unjabbed and he did an interview yeah and uh yeah Djokovic. And he, thank you yeah. And, uh, and he, you know, they said, so, so you are willing to give up being the greatest tennis player for this? And he said, yeah. Why? Because autonomy over my own body uh, matters more than anything. Right. Uh, so, so I get it. And then obviously that's, uh, that's how I've approached it. But, but, 
it's a challenge for uh, for everybody, and and we're we're into uncharted waters here again with these mandates being suspended. Where do you see this going? How long do you see this lasting, or do you think that this is something that's most likely going to get reeled in moving forward? Well, this is usually where I I jump on my soapbox and and answer it by saying that really depends on the citizens of our great nation. Mm. That's that's the quickest way to answer it. Um, What you saw happen, I I believe, over the past week has been the result of the tenacious, relentless warrior spirit of Canadians that truly believed in their freedom. Mm. The, The government got to the point where they were, I'll call it, on the ropes. They looked like Utter, utter buffoons internationally because they were the only ones in sitting, insisting on this insanity of, of barring our own citizens from from crossing their nations by air, rail. Uh, so it's, that came about because people continued uh, to push, and and throughout there's been a call for all sorts of of, of action, and, and and it matters whether you're pursuing things legally or otherwise. But we saw with with the, the the convoy, for instance, right? That was the greatest PR platform in human history, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that helped to impact the narrative and shifting. So I think where this goes over the next number of months is dependent on that as well. We saw at that presser, which, as you pointed out, was quite a nauseating uh, experience to have yeah. to sit through, yeah. in, in part because of, of it, it was an example, up close and personal, of the arrogance of this government and their their belief that their job is to crush their citizens rather than serve them, which is what they are called to. To sit there and say that they re- regretted nothing and to, with, with almost pride and, and a certain amount of sanctimony to say, oh, absolutely, these people will be back unpaid if we see any, anything come again because science and vaccine is our greatest, uh, our greatest hope for humanity and all the other lines that they rolled out over and over again. Um, so that, I mean, that was certainly difficult uh, to watch, but they also mentioned the fact of, of the boosters and we've seen that roll out right away afterwards in, in the press. And I think it was misplaced a little bit. It was, it was shown as that's absolutely going to come to pass. They answered the question saying that they're considering it. And I would say you're wise to be concerned about that. But I would also say this is an opportunity for the full spectrum of the jabbed and the unjabbed to get on the same page and say, enough. Like all caps, enough. I agree. Going down this road. I have this happening with a previous guest on the show. His name is Chris, and he's a paramedic. And he willingly went out and decided to get vaccinated, which we're all for here. If that's what you want to do, it's not like an anti anything. This is more about being able to have the choice as to whether or not you want medical intervention. And yep. He played the part, he rolled up his sleeve, he got his two shots, and he thought he did what he had to do to keep everybody safe. And now he's being told that if he wants to see his father in long-term care, he's going to have to roll up again. And listen, if you're all for that, all the more power to you. But my concern is like, well, when does this ever stop then? Like when, when is yeah. enough enough? Uh, when does the choice now come back to me as to whether or not I think I have had enough intervention uh, and whether or not I want more moving forward? Yeah. Where do you battle? Where do you pick your battles? And who are, like, who are you complaining to at this point? 
Well, I hear what you're saying. It, it's a collective. It's not just even in even in my hometown. It's it's similar. The healthcare industry, um, to use the term broadly, in Ontario has been able to bring back unjab workers if they want to. But my local hospital proudly decided to keep all of their uh, you know patients safe by refusing to bring them back. Mm. And and they're massively short in experiencing this, and and yet they're continuing to to push it this way. Uh, and I'm you know to be clear, I, I'm not. A hopeless idealist. I'm actually typically a cynic and a pessimist by nature. Part of that, I, I suppose, suits my profession well because our job is to mitigate risk and to constantly try and find things that are going wrong. So I'm I'm not saying that I I see some instant utopia where everybody rises up and and stands for their fundamental God given freedoms. But I think we've seen enough over the past three to six months of where this is going. The narrative kind of fell apart on its own. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that people wake up enough to see that once again in terms of where uh, where we've been with with a third jab. And you know, back in May, I would say the government put out a planned leak. There was a couple of days there where all of a sudden in the news they're talking about oh, a third shot might be required, and and there was it didn't go. It went over like a lead balloon, and then it quietly disappeared. Nothing came of it. And I'd say that's what they were fiddling around with at that presser again to see what the reaction was from, from the average person. And I can tell you in my industry, at least amongst the flight crew, from what I'm hearing, again, I'm not flying what we call flying the line. I'm not in the airplane going up and down like I used to, but from the guys that I'm connected with, they're saying the attitude is, is, is much like Jordan Peterson put very uh, bluntly, right? Like I've, I've done my part now leave me alone mm-hmm. uh, in no uncertain terms. And that's much of the attitude as well. And, and seeing, what we're seeing in our industry, you know, speaking firsthand to guys that are having issues from a health standpoint, adverse events and otherwise, uh, they don't they don't want to go down that road because our Cat One Medical is incredibly fragile. It's uh, and you lose it and you lose your ability to work. Period. Mm. And so guys are are very very cautious from a health standpoint, or they should be. I'm, I'm not saying we're all drinking kale shakes and and uh, and working out daily, but uh, but it, it is a fragile uh, piece of paper that, that gets right. us in the airplane. Yeah, something else that you have to think about that the average individual maybe doesn't have to. Not as uh, much, yeah. So what are we waiting here for? Is it <laughs> like another three years and we have to really wait for another administration to come in? Uh, maybe you can speak on that because we were going back and forth as well when the conservatives were trying to pass it in the House, which you disapproved of. Uh, you thought that was really ill-timed and the fact that we could have potentially uh, been out of these mandates a little bit earlier. Maybe we would have had a little bit more progress there. So maybe we can talk on that. And then, of course, we have politics. And politics have just I don't feel like politics have ever been like this. It's like, yeah, sure. I'm tired of the liberals. Let's maybe get the conservatives in. Uh, Not like we got to get rid of the liberals so we can go back to living a normal life. Like, is that what we're waiting? Are we waiting for potentially another election to where maybe we're able to oust this guy? Well, man, that's a, that's not a softball you're throwing at me there. No, not at all. that's a, that's a total quadri and 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 I'll admit it up front you're looking at 2025 and I I muse about this a fair bit aside from maybe getting getting under the NDP skin enough that they stop propping up this this government what do you do 
and yeah, I mean, I was frustrated with this this second motion asking to to strike down the mandate because everybody that knows anything about politics knows it's a whipped vote and it's guaranteed to fail. And we've been hearing for the better part of a month that these mandates were going to drop by the beginning of June. So so I, I think it was the first of June or thereabouts. And we'd heard this from a number of sources within the corporate world, as well as as uh, both from the liberal and MP, uh, liberal and conservative MP. So they had to have known. So I don't understand it, whether it was just a matter of trying to score some political points or otherwise. But as soon as you file that motion, you, you force the liberals to not agree to it for at least a week or something, because it'd be politically foolish to do so. You'd look like you were handing it all, conceding that the conservatives had brilliantly filed a motion and now you're going to have to back down. Now, once you started seeing the Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail and all, you know the legacy media call for the end of mandates, and then add in the Gong Show that is Toronto Pearson, uh, the WestJet CEO spoke out, which was good. Although I could make some comments on that as well. There was enough public outcry, what we call the narrative, and that's why the narrative matters so much, because politicians' ultimate goals, pardon my cynicism, is to get themselves reelected ultimately. And when it starts to look like what they're, they're doing from a policy standpoint is no longer expedient, then things start to happen. So I'd say that's the way to attack it. Okay. And it, it, it's part of what of how we handle ourselves in this country, too. It's, it's almost like politics is a hobby for some people, and it needs to be much, much more than a hobby, right? We see what happens when we stop to participate in, in the political sphere. Uh, and we've got to, got to get involved. We've got to understand it. We've got to educate ourselves. And enough people have got to get involved in it, or we abdicate it uh, to the to the group that that wants to be involved. And right now, mm -hmm. uh, there's an agenda afoot that we've got to push back on. Well, Dr. Julie Panessi said that you know democracy is work. You, know, you got to put work in democracy, and we it's haven't. It's tiring, right? Yes, yeah. and we haven't, and we we've had it so well, and it's crazy because there's this worldview that a lot of people don't necessarily have. I have plenty of friends that come from socialist countries, uh, have come from a background of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. Socialism, uh, communism. communism. And these are countries, tyranny. Yeah. yes, that they left to come to Canada. Right. And yeah, yeah. there's quite a few of them that had their citizenship and they bounced when they saw this happening because they're yeah. like, I've felt this before. I know what this looks like and I don't want to stick around because I not necessarily just because where we are but the potential that we're taking all the baby steps to get exactly in that position and uh, right. Joe Rogan had said that many many months ago and this is before he had his doctors on and really got railed and he was saying listen I'm not saying that we are heading towards tyranny He's very careful sometimes with how he positions himself. Uh, Unlike he says, uh, some of us. Right. But he did say, like, listen, though, if we were trying to get to a, a communist society, like, we have really taken all the baby steps necessary to get there. That's a nice way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting you mentioned that, not to dwell on it, maybe, but but you were in Ottawa uh, on a couple of occasions, and I don't, I don't know if you came across this this woman, but... It was a it was an older Polish woman, and I've seen her pop up in a number of videos. And I was there the night before things got completely ridiculous. Uh, I was myself and, and actually a, a really good friend of mine, and we started our military flight training together. Oh man, thirty 
30 years ago, roughly. And, uh, and a bunch of us said, listen, like, I think things are going to go down. Like it's going to go sideways. Like we've got to get to Ottawa. And it was this, it was this bizarre, almost movie script like thing is my, my buddy Ivan from 30 years ago, he and I are in our cars driving to Ottawa. You know, I put my uniform on. It's like, we're not, it's not like we're planning, you know, going there with peaceful intent, but we're like, I don't know what else to do other than to show up in Ottawa with my uniform on and walk around the streets and, and I don't know, just, just be there and be present. Well, this woman came across us and she was like, I love you. I love you. And she went on and on and spoke passionately about the country that she'd left and over her dead body, would she stand there and watch the same thing happen here in Canada. Mm. And she was incredibly eloquent and I won't do her any justice in trying to remember everything she said, but she's just one example of of exactly what you're talking about is people there was a there was another trucker that i that i spoke to there in ottawa same thing he said i, I left my country to come here to, to 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 get away from the insanity that i'm seeing us start to as you said take baby steps towards mm-hmm. now with the politics that you had mentioned in regards to politicians wanting to look good um and they will pander to the public if necessary and obviously, our voice just hasn't gotten loud enough yet, but it has made a difference. I would, I would argue that it has made a difference. Uh, I don't know how to measure that, like what the metrics would be, uh, but things are shifting to some degree. And I think a lot of that had to do with the convoy, because it used to be the conversation was, if you were to say you didn't like the way that things were before the truckers got here, you were just an anti-vaxxer. Uh, And the truckers made it okay for someone to say, like, listen, I support the convoy and Mm -hmm. almost have it be separate from someone's vaccination status. Because it didn't matter whether you were vaccinated or not vaccinated. People showed up in Ottawa for the convoy just because they didn't like the way that they saw their fellow Canadians being treated. That's Mm -hmm. that's what I believe. Uh, And with the conservatives, how strongly do you think they really feel about having conservative values opposed to just wanting to pander to the public that seems to want it so badly right now. Because they could have easily taken a conservative stance, O'Toole, back in the election, and I think that would have given them the best opportunity to topple the liberals, but they didn't do that. The only people that stood up loud and proud would be the PPC, Maxine Bernier and friends, Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to saying we don't want any mandates of any sort whatsoever, and we would never enforce them. And now here we are where it looks a little bit more of an advantageous move, and Pierre is, you know, barking up that tree. Yeah, well, I mean, you've, you've kind of summarized my somewhat cynical view of it. There's been a very, very small handful who took a stand that cost them something. Hmm. And I think that's really what you've got to do, at least from a from a private citizen standpoint. I, I've advocated that throughout. And, and it, it's a really small handful, you know, like Derek Sloan, Roman Babberg, you know, maybe they're not popular with some, but but I'll tell you, they they put their careers on the line while the rest remained silent until the polling numbers were such that hmm, there might be there might be something to be gained here. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason that they're speaking out. And I genuinely hope that what they're saying, they they feel it from their heart and they actually want to make a change. I, I think the population as a whole is not necessarily, you know, you bring up the, the conservatives. They're not necessarily conservative of mind, but they don't particularly like f- filling up their little hatchback to the tune of $80 
uh, or they don't like the fact that their groceries are 20, 30% more expensive and, and they need some sort of a hope and a solution. And, and following our present government's plan to, to spend us further into oblivion as a solution to that doesn't resonate even, even with the, the, most, the, the pe people with the most elementary understanding of, of politics. Uh, so I, I, I know I'm not answering your question directly. I, I don't know what the motives are exactly, but I don't, I struggle with whether some of this, and I think that's what you're asking, whether it's opportunism more than it is a genuine belief in the cause of freedom, because I, I just say, where were you? Where were you two years ago? Where were you a year ago? So we've gone from a society where there are no stupid questions, let's say, to Let's not ask questions. Let's just press on and trust the experts, full, mm -hmm. full on technocracy. And that's the problem. And, and these politicians weren't out there even allowing good questions to be asked. And so, so, yeah, my take on it is, man, it feels like opportunism. Does, does that mean I'm going to, you know, that I wouldn't vote for them? No, but I, I think we're at the point now where we really need, we're, we're at the point where we need a a generational change. I think if you're genuinely conservative, and I know that's not the nature of this podcast, but you brought it up. So if you're <laughs> a genuine conservative or or, or uh, a social conservative, uh, certainly, you're at the point where we're trying to get your get your change brought about in in a way where you can actually start to see representation in the house is a long distance uh, generational type of change. So. Now, believe it or not, Greg, like I am not a political person. I've never no, been no, a political why, person. Yeah. And, and I've said this many times on the podcast. I didn't even know what left and right was three, four years ago. Like yeah. just no clue whatsoever. And this is what's so interesting in regards to being into politics now is that politics has shifted, at least in Canada, I feel from just my, I have no idea what's going on with politics stance, uh, is that I'm not necessarily political, but if I want to talk about the pandemic or the convoy or um, informed consent, that is now a political statement. That now that now aligns me with conservative values, right? Which is which is really bizarre. But the lady that decides that you know I my body my choice in regards to abortion completely completely different she can be a liberal and a lefty i'm generalizing here but just to to make the point yeah. um so there there's also this great playbook greg to where i have invited lord knows how many different people with different views on a whole bunch of different subjects and i would think to the person that that watched this podcast like i definitely have my my views and and my stance and I don't yeah. think that the views that I have on this particular issue should have me go left or right. But I have invited plenty of people from the left to be on my show, and they don't participate. Right. And then the exactly. people that I invite from the right, they do, or right-leaning. Right. right. And then it yeah. gives this really unfair optic that I am only looking to entertain people that share the same viewpoints as I do. No, I would love to have more conversations with doctors that have encouraged uh, vaccination. I've had them or I've invited them to be on the show to talk about like, well, maybe there's some reasons that people aren't getting vaccinated that are absolute nonsense. Maybe you can clear the air there. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't stand on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to whether or not someone wants to get poked. I just want people to have the best information possible 
So they're comfortable following through with whatever that decision might be. And I don't know how to rectify this. Um, even well, people, oh, sorry, just, just to finish. Because even people that slam Fox News, and I watch snippets of snippets of all different types of news, whether it be left, right, whatever. But it is yeah. very rare that I see on left-leaning news them having people on the right to have a fair conversation. Where yeah. I have seen people on Fox News, regardless how you feel about Fox, like right there. That's how crazy it is right now. I feel uncomfortable yeah, saying that, you know, on Fox News. You said um, the wrong words. <laughs> but I did see this great interview with Hannity and Sean Penn when they were talking about the war in Ukraine. Sean Penn, strong lefty, Hannity, about as right as you can get. And what a lovely conversation that they had. And I think that's the problem that we're having right now, Greg, more than anything, is I don't yeah. see it as being a, a, a divisiveness problem. It's the fact that we're not having enough good conversations. Well, 100%. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I think you're good on you for, for, for looking at the full spectrum, because I think that's what it means to be genuinely intellectually curious and, and intellectually balanced, is to challenge your own views by digging into things that that don't support your own views. That's how you strengthen your arguments is by trying to shred them uh, and, and ensure that that they stand up to to this to this test and, and inquiry. And that's the problem is when people aren't even willing to come on a forum and answer questions, then then how can you possibly give them credence if they're not willing to to even attend at a format where they might be asked difficult questions? Mm -hmm then then what's the point and and that's the problem with with where we've been because we are the unjabbed we're in a minority and 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 we're expected to act with a, a curiosity and a um what's the word i'm looking for there's expectations of us in terms of our ability to defend our position that aren't expected from the other side we should, we're supposed to show up, and, and, and I, I honor it, and, and I appreciate it, and, and I try and show up when I'm in a forum where I feel like I may have questions asked of me that are difficult with the facts and, and having done my research. But, but like you've experienced, people that are asked to come on and, hey, let's just have a, a civilized, respectful conversation, they're like, no way, like, I might be asked a question I can't answer. And I think that in itself uh, speaks, speaks volumes. Right. I enjoy not having the answers or trying to have all the answers, which is why I conduct my podcast the way that I do, is that I like to have people share their stories, their own experience, not saying that they're right or wrong, but it's their story, which is true, which is genuine, which uh, I do my best to ask questions to not embellish. And, you know, so for anyone that that's watching this right now that might consider uh, you know, yourself to be on the other side of the fence or maybe leaning a little bit differently than I do. And there's people that you would like to see on the show, by all means, send me uh, a message, uh, leave a comment below and give me some guests that you would like to see me have on. And then do your part as well and send that individual a message and say, I think it would be really great for you to show up on J-Man's podcast because he's super cool and fair and ruggedly handsome. I had to throw it in there for myself there, Greg. I wanted to get, get, get a big that, smile out of you. <laughs> you get that in there. Uh, you, you always get that in there somewhere. Just just uh, not, not to go on about this point, but sure. th we experience the same even within our own industry. And Transport Canada is, is one example of that. Questions have been, been asked. I asked questions early on. 
and did not get any good answers. And, and as you experienced, asked questions to the point where eventually the, 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 the civil aviation medical examiner, uh, a senior one uh, as well, just stopped asking, a- answering questions because they were too difficult. So this from, a, from a, a, an organization that is charged with the safe uh, transport of Canadians is incredibly concerning to us from an in- industry standpoint and, and speaks to exactly what you're talking about. If, if they're not willing to a- answer questions, if they're not willing to, and, and we sent a letter off to them uh, several weeks ago, signed by this coalition that we brokered, an international coalition asking very good questions. Again, just, just pointed at wanting to ensure that our industry is as safe as it possibly can be. And we, we still haven't heard a word of response. So yeah, it's a concern. Right. Well, Greg, once again, thank you for your time. If people want to find out more about Free to Fly, where do they go? Free to fly.ca, and that's the word T-O, not the number two. Okay. And thank you so much for having a lock to another episode of the Launchpad podcast. Make sure to find Greg at Free to Fly. He's also on Twitter. Uh, some up-to-date, like you guys are like on top of a lot of things when it comes to mandates and what's happening in the flight space. And please, I'd love a subscribe if you enjoy this type of content. Until next time, you take care, be well, and love simply because you can.